0: This is week two of what you bring. Jesus asked what is the most important and greatest of all the commandments. He said, love the Lord your God with all you've got. Right? With all you've got. Last week we talked about hope, that what we bring into this season, what, what we experience is the hope of Christ that lives in us. And because we have the hope of Jesus... That we bring hope to a world that is hurting, that's broken, that's that's dying. And that we get to bring the hope of Jesus to them. And today I want us to look at that we get to bring love as well. This command, love one another, is addressed directly to Jesus' followers, to us. To people that are called Christians, that we are to love one another. And it doesn't mean that we don't love those who aren't Christians. In fact, just the opposite. We are to love everyone always, regardless of their race or their religion or their age or their political affiliation. Love everyone always. We're repeatedly and specifically told to love one another as Christians. So why is this so important? Why, why did Jesus talk about this so much? Well, in John chapter 13, we read this in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so that you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to unpack a little bit of how do we love one another and then why it's so important. The first point is this, love one another as I have loved you. That's it, love one another as I have loved you. Because he loves us, we love people. Jesus is telling this to his disciples in the upper room, it's the last time that he has, this last meal that he has with his disciples before he goes to the cross and He's saying to them, love one another. In verse 1, it says that it was just before the Passover festival that Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and go to the Father. And so, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. The Greek words there, and these are the words that, that Brian used during worship, that he loved them to the full. He showed the full extent of his love. And what follows this is the story of Jesus talking to his disciples. It's, it's, the, it's the example that I used at our Dream Team Appreciation Party a couple weeks ago. So if you're here for that, I apologize. But but probably wasn't going to hurt us to, to hear it again or hear it for the next six months that Jesus is talking to his disciples and they're all coming into the room and normally there would be a servant there to wash the disciples' feet, but on this day, on this occasion, there was no one there to wash their feet. And so they were all kind of arguing about who was going to to wash each other's feet, who's gonna do the job that nobody wanted to do, who was going to, to belittle themselves. And they started talking about status and who's most important and all of these things. And it was on this last night of his life as Jesus and his followers gathered for a final meal and argument broke out among the disciples about who was the greatest. Usually a servant would have been there to greet them and wash their feet. But on this night, it was just them, no servant. So they argued about who should do the foot washing, who was the greatest and the least. And while they argued, Jesus got up, picked up the basin of water and the towel and bent down to wash one of the men's feet. One by one, he went around the table silently, tenderly washing their feet as they sat there in shame-faced silence. And we got to Peter. The silence was broken. Lord, you'll never wash my feet. Peter, who was too proud to wash others' feet, was now too ashamed to let Jesus wash his feet. And Jesus says to him, unless I wash your feet, Peter, you have no part in me. And Peter said, not just my feet, then my head and my hands too. Wash all of me. You gotta love Peter, right? He's... Kind of greedy. And when he was done, Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. How did Jesus love them to the fullest? How did he show them the full extent of his love by putting a towel over his arm and humbly washing the feet of his disciples. We are to show our love by serving one another. We we ask one another, is there anything that I can do for you? There are some scholars that think that the full extent meant to the point at which Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't necessarily the foot washing, as some scholars believe, but that when Jesus went to the cross, that that was the full extent of his love. And certainly the rest of Scripture points to Jesus' death as the fullest expression. In verse 12 and 13, it says, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. That's the command. Again, love each other as I have loved you. How has he loved us? Greater love has no man than this, that he lay his life down for a friend. Now, Love, the definition of it, is doing what is best for another no matter what it costs. The greater the cost, the greater the love. And there's no greater cost in this world than our life. The greatest love is to give your all, to give your life for another. And some have done that. Some have given their life for the love of their country or the love of their family and friends. They, some have given their life for the love of God in martyrdom. Most of us will not give our lives in that way. But all of us can give our lives in a different way. Rather than a single heroic act of sacrifice, what we can and are called to do is give our lives every single opportunity we have. A minute here, a kindness there, a generosity in that way we we give our lives in a thousand small ways every day. Think of it in, in this context if uh, if you were given a thousand dollars to give away, right there would be someone that you would want to just give that thousand dollars to so that it would be just this. Huge blessing and it would just be this one act of $1,000 to this person. But what if God said, I want you to take the $1,000 and I want you to go to the bank and I want you to exchange the $1,000 for quarters. I don't know how you carry $1,000 worth of quarters, but you got heavy pockets and you're, you're walking now and throughout your life and he's saying, I want you to give your love away one quarter at a time. Now all of a sudden you begin looking you've got to get rid of all of the quarters and you're, now you're seeing people in a different way you're 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 hearing things differently and you're giving away your love all the time. You're kind to the person who maybe was a jerk to you this week. Maybe he was a jerk to you this morning. You stop the argument, not because the other person's right, but because it's not necessarily worth it to continue on. We love one another giving away our life one quarter at a time what does it look like to love one another as Jesus loved us? It means to do what's best for another no matter what the cost. It means we humbly serve another. It means we give our life away. What if coming to church every single week wasn't about what we get out of it? What if What if it was about giving away to others? What if the main thing wasn't necessarily just the worship and the message? What if the main thing was what happens before service and after service? What if the main thing was what happens in 60 seconds in the middle of service? What happens if if the reason we come is to say, how can I love someone today? What if you came each week praying, God, who do you want me to love today? Today we have this amazing opportunity to to make a difference and to show our love towards others. Now, in this way, and we're going to talk about some other ways in which we can practically show our love, but in this way, we're, we're saying we have an opportunity to make a real-life difference in our generosity. Uh, and so if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, this will be the only Sunday that we take two offerings. Uh, two weeks ago, we presented two opportunities for uh, people to give in our make a difference offering, uh, and so if the ushers, uh, we're going to do that right now. So if, if if you're planning to give towards that, uh, go ahead and get that ready. Ushers, go ahead and and come forward. There's two opportunities. One is a local opportunity here called SA Heals, and we are giving towards uh, the Affordable Christmas where there are children. Uh, and families who can have Christmas this year because of the generosity of this church, and many others as well. And then the second opportunity is we have the opportunity to give actual sight to people in Colombia, that we are par- partnering with MMI Columbia in the Eye Project. and we have a team of 10 people that will be going in January, and we get to actually bring the love of Jesus and we get to give them physical sight. There'll be uh, cataract surgeries, there'll be pterygium surgeries, there'll be uh, uh, trabismus, I think is how you say it, uh, where there's children who are, have cross eyes, they're getting their eyes straightened out. We have the opportunity to love one another even in the midst of, of distance, of not being in their social setting and so this morning we're going to receive our offering. The reason why we presented this two weeks ago and are receiving it today is because I wanted us to go pray, ask God, what do you want me to do, Uh, and then give out of that. And so uh, today we're going to give. I'm going to pray for this offering, and then we'll receive our regular tithes and offerings uh, after the message. Father, we, this is something that we do each and every year, and it's Honestly, it's it's one of my favorite moments to be a part of something that is greater than me, that is bigger than me, and to be able to give in a way that doesn't, that in no way brings any sort of benefit back, but just says, God, we want to love and be a blessing to others. And so, God, I pray for Charlie and Jen Foltz this morning as they uh, continue to serve the east side of San Antonio and and to love on people and to love their neighbor as themselves, as they provide opportunities for those who who have nothing to be able to have Christmas this year. And got to pray for my good friend Juan Allen and Leonore as they prepare. Even now, as we speak, they're preparing to minister to thousands and thousands of Colombian friends, to bring medical care, to bring eyesight, to give them a a clear vision of this world, but a clear vision of the gospel. And so, Lord, we give this morning, asking that you would multiply and that you would make a difference in both of these areas in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. And while they're receiving the the Make a Difference offering, I'm going to just continue to talk. I want to I want to give you a, a quote by John Wooden. John Wooden was a basketball coach for the UCLA Bruins for lots and lots of years. He, he said that he, he said, "Make each day your masterpiece." He, he believed that that one way you did that was by helping someone else. That. Asking the question, is there anything that I can do for you? And so, I've been challenged to wake up in the morning and pray that prayer. God, would you make today a masterpiece? And begin to pray for the people that are on my calendar, the the meetings that are on my calendar. Yesterday morning, we gathered together for prayer to pray for you, that today would be a masterpiece. Praying this way helps us be more aware of the people that I'm with. I even am praying, God, would you be in those divine moments, those divine encounters where they're unplanned by me but planned by you? I want to give us just a, a few practical things that you can do to show love. The first thing is you can say it. You can say it. There's no words more powerful than these three words, I love you. How many of you know the great, great band TLC? Right? It's such wisdom that comes from not chasing waterfalls. and Stick to the Rivers and the streams that you're used to. I mean, it's just so poetic. But well, one of the singers for TLC, his name was Chili. <laughs> this is what he said. He was in an interview, he's asked, What are you gonna do with the millions that you made? And I don't I don't even know if they made millions, but she, she, sorry, my <laughs> my apologies. She. What are you gonna do with the millions? Chili, I was thinking Red Hot Chili Peppers, I think. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who that is, but, you know. So, so they interview Chili and, and ask, what are you going to do with the millions that, that you make off of not chasing waterfalls? And the response was, I'm going to use my millions to go and track down my dad because I want to hear him say, I love you. And with all of the money, with all of the millions, the thing that was the most important was to hear the words, I love you. You can say it. Dads, we should be saying, I love you, to our children. We assume that they know this, but we should say it. We should say, I love you, to our wives in front of our children. We assume that they know it, but we should say it. Say it. I love you. The second thing we can do is write it, write notes of appreciation, because notes are something that you can hold on to forever. I was really, really good at this uh, when I was dating Kelly. It was just a few years ago, and I remember almost every day as we were dating, I would be working at Sunglass, one of the most boring jobs you could ever experience in your lifetime, and I had a lot of time on my hands, so there was a card shop next to it, and so I would write these these cards, these notes of how much she meant to me, how much I appreciated her, And over all of these years, she still has, you still have them? (laughs) You know what? Don't write it. Because it doesn't matter. They're not going to hold on to it anyways. That's why I stopped writing it. No, write it. Write notes of appreciation. You know, it's one of those things, like when you were a kid, you kind of were always like, oh, my mom wrote me a note in my lunch and she stuffed it into my lunch. But now that you're older, you're kind of like, I miss seeing that note in my lunch. Write your love to the people that you care about. Convey it with small acts of kindness. Even when your wife doesn't hold on to your notes, you put Christmas lights up instead of watching the game. Find opportunities, little acts of kindness to be generous towards one another, to, to dole out quarters of love to people. The early church was so good at this. In Acts 5.34, it says, there were no needy persons among them. If we all came to church to love one another, there would be no needy persons among us. And I'm not just talking about material need. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm thinking about our need for love, our need for someone to listen to us, to hear our story, our need for friends, our need to belong, our need for community. It's honestly, it's, although we, uh, we love having people watch online, we have, we have uh, on average about 60 people watching online every week. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe in it. It's a great opportunity to reach people that maybe are overseas or across the world, but it doesn't take the place of community. Here's my challenge for us is, well, maybe every every Sunday we walk through these doors, we pray the prayer, who do you want me to love today? Tertullian, a church leader in Carthage, Africa, around the end of the second century, wrote, it's, It is our care of the helpless, our practice of loving kindness that brands us in the eyes of many of our opponents. Only look, they say, look how they love one another. May that be said of us. Look how they love one another. May we be known as a church that loves one another. Which leads to the second point, and I promise the next two are not as long. But that we are to love one another so everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Your love for one another is the mark of a Christian. If we don't love each other, Jesus says it is safe to assume you're not a Christian which then leads us to this current culture and climate that we are in, in a political season where when we say that we are Christians and we don't love one another, Jesus safely assumes then that we are not Christians. People expect Christians to love. The mark of a Christian is love, particularly how we love each other. If we don't love one another, Jesus says, it's safe to assume you're not a Christian. (sighs) I was going to go off on that a little bit. I'm going to refrain. We are to love our enemies. Those who hate us, who want to harm us, we are to love everyone always. Of all the people we love, the easiest ought to be other Christians. The easiest ought to be people who share our faith, share our values. They're headed in the same direction that we're going in. If we can't love each other, our own brothers and sisters in Christ, then the gospel must not be very powerful. It certainly says something to the rest of the world about whether or not the gospel is true. Why would anyone want Jesus if we can't love each other? He said, "They'll know. They'll know that you are my disciples by your love for each other." He took it even farther in John chapter 17 verse 20. He says, "My prayer is not for them alone. This is Jesus praying. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father." How will the world know and believe that God sent Jesus the thing that we celebrate every Christmas season? They will know that the gospel is true when what we bring this Christmas season is loving each other. Jesus prays that we may be one and live in unity. It's never going to happen because we all agree on everything. It's never going to happen because we all think the same way about politics. It'll happen when we love one another in spite of our differences. When we fight and argue and we treat each other poorly, we don't love one another. We're giving the world all the evidence it needs to not believe in the gospel of Jesus, that it's not real. It is the ultimate evidence for the truth of our faith is that we love one another. The final thing is that we love one another so others can see God. I saw and discovered something in Scripture this week that I'd never really seen before. In 1 John chapter 4. Verse 7, and 12, 7 through 12, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Love one another, there it is again. If you love, you have been born of God and know God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you don't love, you don't know God because God is love. This is the main thing. If you love, you know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John points us back to Jesus. He says, this is love that God sent his son as a sacrifice for us. Dear friends, in verse 11, it says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love for you should motivate your love for one another. We love because he first loved us, love one another. No one, and this is the verse that, that impacted me this week, verse 12. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. If we love one another, we make Jesus made the invisible God visible. When Jesus left and we have the Holy Spirit in us and when we carry on the ministry of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus that made the invisible God visible, now we are the body of Christ on this hand, on this earth, we are his hands, we are his feet. And when we love people, people see God. We make the invisible God visible. What you bring this Christmas season is love everywhere you go. So my last question for you this morning is, is there anything I can do for you? Let's pray.